Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Hey, Chris, I had a question for you. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Oh, Scott, dude, you know what I'd do if I had a million dollars? I'd do two chicks at one time, man. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody. If you're anything like me, and you may not be, um, I love a party. I can't get enough of all the connection and the attention and the excitement. And, you know, I've often thought about, Scott, what happens when that level of personal multiplication turns sexual? I mean, I, I can't deny in my acting out days, uh, there have been plenty of times when I stumbled on a, a video of a threesome or a foursome or an orgy or uh, a big sex party. Uh, and that's what we want to talk about today. So why is it that we get turned on by pictures and videos of sex with multiple partners? So I don't know. Scott, you're the smart one. What the hell are we talking about? The more the merrier. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so this is one of the more popular categories um, in Pornhub's annual review. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before. And um, in Justin Lee Miller's book, Tell Me What You Want, he surveyed his audience and found out that multiple fantasies are among the most common fantasies that people have. And Mm. they kind of fall out into three subcategories under that title of multiple. So let's just set the stage with that. The first is threesomes. So a threesome is when a man imagines having sex with two women or him and another guy and a woman or three guys, I guess could be. Um, Then there are, um, Orgies, that's where multiples of either sex are engaged in uh, a whole kind of twister game <laughs> of sex. Yeah, yeah. And then there are gangbangs, and that's where typically one participant is subject to the sexual uh, engagement of a whole line of others. So it's an, it's an assembly line of sex. Assembly line of sex. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> Out of all of those, the most popular are threesomes. So let's start with threesomes. What? Yeah. What is the fantasy of having sex with two people all about? And what you find out in the um, in the research and and just kind of exploring this with other guys that have this particular arousal template is usually there's something about the pursuit of delight in that. So I want to be mm-hmm. the center of attention, typically. So most mm-hmm. men who have this fantasy are going to fantasize about uh, two women and them having sex. So that they'll be watching pornography mm-hmm. that shows one guy and two women. That's that's the most common time. So the 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 idea behind that is, hey, if one woman is good, then two women are going to be even better. Yes, but why? Ask the question, why would two women be better than one? That's a great question to ask, because in in my mind, I'm thinking uh, one woman is plenty for me. Like, that's that's all I need. But then I've I've caught myself in the past in those experiences watching these videos. 
And there seems to be this idea of, hey, if if one woman can pay attention to me like this and two women multiplies that attention, multiplies that experience of connection, multiplies that that arousal on that orgasm, because now I can be pleased by two people, but also, and I think this is true, and we haven't even talked about this at all on the podcast, I get to please two people. I get to make two people happy, and that makes me so much more of a man. Or two people are making you happy. So yeah, either or. It's either, or. It's either it's either one. So let's just go back to what we've been saying all along in our podcast, that we tend to fantasize about things that are the opposite of the reality that we experience, particularly growing up. So yeah. most of our arousal templates are formed early in our childhood, around five to eight years of age. They emerge out of our relationships with our mothers and fathers. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, if we have any sexual experiences as children or adolescents, those end up shaping our arousal templates in really powerful ways as well. So if I grow up in a home where my my parents are particularly not very engaged in my life, Mm -hmm. or they could be harsh, um, they could be very, you know, it could be a very rule-oriented home where there's a lot of rules and regulations, but not a, a lot of relational warmth. Or it could be a, a triangulating home where one of my parents turns me into mm, their yes. spousal surrogate. So these are the common kind of themes that we see in family systems that lead to unwanted sexual behavior and pornographic uh, struggles. So those three systems, rigid, disengaged, you can have rigid, disengaged, where one parent's one way and one's the other. And then you can have triangulating or meshing yep. uh, families. All three of those create harm in a typical, in a very unique way. But the gist of all of that is, as a child, you can end up feeling either like your desires are not welcomed and honored Mm -hmm. in your family, or you can feel like you're completely ignored, or you can feel like you're being used. Yep. So out of all three of those family systems, then you can see how this desire to have multiple partners involved in a sexual experience could emerge from that fairly easily. Because due to the amount of pain that we're experiencing in our family system, the amount of emotional disruption and heartache that's being created in that system, that's going to determine the amount of pleasure we seek to correct the pain, right? Mm. So so I think one way to go about uh, decoding these particulars of our fantasy structure then is to ask the question, what is it doing for me? Like if I'm Mm -hmm. fantasizing about having sex with two females, Or it could be I'm a guy and I'm fantasizing about having sex with two males, too. How is that helping me? What's that doing for me? And most most people are going to respond with, oh, it doesn't do any good. It's bad. I'm trying to leave it. (laughs) Right. Because I don't want to look at my arousal. I don't want to, you know, I'm just going to go, if I just stop that, then that's going to make everything better. It, it, you know, even though my childhood wounds won't be changed, and even though my arousal patterns won't be changed, just stop the behavior and everything will go back to being great. But what you're saying is, is the sensitivity to that and the curiosity around that, which is what we do every time we talk is to be able to say, okay, there's something here. There's something that I'm wanting that I haven't been able to put words to, but I can use my eyes and use my penis to find it. That's right. So is this a fantasy that you've ever had, a multiple fantasy? It's not something that I've fantasized about per se, but I can say that I've dabbled in it and you know viewed multiples. Porn. I mean, I've, I've viewed all kinds of porn, so it's not like I'm, I'm a... I'm a 
Enneagram seven. So if it's new, it's cool for me. I mean, yeah. I just dabble in whatever, but, but for me, it's, it's really been, um, the curiosity factor about, you know, what is it like to, um, to be in a, in a relationship where there are a lot of eyes and hands, um, and attention paid, um, whether it's on the, the, what they call the MFF side, which is two women or the MMF side, which is two guys and a woman. Um, that's, that's been the place of curiosity for me. And it's just been one of those places that honestly, um, you know, I watch it, it's porn. So, um, so it would, it, it would be exciting to me. But at that time, it was just kind of one of those things that's like, okay, I'm going to move on to something else. But I am fascinated about the attraction that people might have to that dynamic. So, yeah. So yours probably was driven more just by the novelty, which we've talked about a lot, is that novelty always is a way to inject new excitement into sexual experience. So if you're doing new sex acts, if you're doing them in new places, if you're doing them with new people, and obviously multiple sex is bringing a new person into the equation. And right. in reality, there are a lot of married couples that think this is the way to spice up our marriages. Let's bring a third party in. And it actually happens quite a bit in the real world where couples have been married for a length of time and they're not used to bringing novelty in in a healthy way. And so they go to bringing in another partner into the marital bed and it ends up creating kind of a mess because somebody always enjoys it more than the other partner. And now you've got a real problem on your hands. Yeah, so, I make sure to, to never put pineapples in my shopping cart on a Wednesday, ever. <laughs> okay, good. So um, so if, if somebody had this fantasy, I would start by saying, what's, what good is it doing for you? Like, kind of, how's it helping you? How's it serving you? And get past that point where they say, oh, it's not doing me any good. No, it is, or you wouldn't be doing it. So let's just be honest about what's it doing. A lot of times mm. I think the answer is, it makes me feel seen. Mm, mm. Right. It makes me feel like I'm being desired. Um, it may make me feel like I'm being really competent. If I'm if I'm a guy and I'm fantasizing about doing this with another guy and a woman, maybe it's so that I can compare the way I have sex with the other guy and I can feel better about him. Or mm. maybe it's some kind of sense of I want to watch a guy who's really good at making love participate mm-hmm. in that experience because it's never been modeled for me. So there's yeah. lots of different ways that this could go, but I think it comes down to the person who's having this particular fantasy being really curious about um, what it is that turns them on about this particular uh, genre of pornography or the, the fantasy of having sex with multiple people at the same time. So there's that. And then I think, you know, when when you think about how this forms in your family system, then I think you have to ask the question, how, how did I feel growing up in my family with the experiences that I had there? Is there some relationship between how I related to my mom and dad and what's showing up in my fantasy life and being curious about that dimension too? Because it's not just being driven by the novelty or you know the, the visual cued sexual interest that we talk about so often. It's also being driven by those psychodynamics in my family system. If I grow up and I'm a latchkey kid and I come home from school and I have to make my own meals and nobody's mm. ever home until 10 o'clock at night, you can see how this kind of creates a soil around my life, like a breeding ground 
for wanting to be desired and wanting to be pursued where this fantasy might come in and fill that particular uh, need or you know reverse that wound that I have of not ever feeling pursued, delighted, in or seen. Yep. So it's a painful and, wound. So I'm choosing more than one person to kind of solve that problem for me. Yeah. And that's what I was just about to say, because that, you know, if one is good, is two better, is three better. And I think, you know, we haven't talked about this and we'll get onto this in a future podcast. There, there's also a number of videos I know out there with multiple women pleasing each other. So this kind of harem mindset of there's always this sexually available, nurturing, caring, and we'll get into the lesbianism attraction piece there as well. But I think what you're talking about really paints that picture of, hey, I just want someone to care for me. And if someone, then some two, then some three, or that's, that just makes it even better. And I would argue that probably initially when you're first getting into exposure to porn, um, unless you happen on this accidentally, there's really not an attraction to it. It's more of a developed pattern over time. Would you think so? Or do you think it's, it's something that people just that they shoot for uh, when they first get into trying to act out? Well, it is the multiple with threesomes is in uh, Pornhub's top 10 category. So it is an extremely yeah. popular category from the get go. I think it's not it's not an outlier or it's not a fringe. And so I think it is something that people go to a lot, which is reflective, I think, of the fact that, you know, the majority of Americans are now growing up in homes where they have very insecure attachment. I don't know that we've really talked about attachment on the podcast yet, but it's a really important subject. And attachment is basically the idea of how we learn in our relationship with our mother and father to form mm -hmm. intimate bonds with other people. It comes, it starts between the mother and the child when the child's born, and then it transfers over to the father. And it's this ability of how do I feel seen? How do I feel delighted in? How do I feel cared for and, and known as a person? And um, it used to be that half of the population had secure attachment, meaning they grew up in a family where at least 30% of the time they were getting that kind of attuned care from their mothers and fathers, particularly in the first couple years of their life. And so they grow up with a secure way of relating to others, and they get into adult relationships, sexual relationships, and they feel very secure in those relationships. And so they tend to form very secure and stable bonds with whoever it is that they're partnered with. Right. That's the and ideal. The other half of the population has insecure attachment. Most people, I would say probably all people with sexual struggles have insecure attachment. So it used to be 50-50. It's now about 65% have insecure attachment, and the remaining uh, portion of the population has secure attachment. So we're seeing this grow as families kind of fracture in our modern world. There's more divorce. There's more single-parent families. There's more women having children out of wedlock and so on. So that leads to more insecure styles of attaching to other people. And that insecure attachment style ends up impacting our arousal templates as well. That's that formative. How do I mm -hmm. connect? How do I feel bonded to other people? So it's mm -hmm. not surprising to me that threesomes would be in the top 10 Pornhub categories because we have a larger percent of the population that feels insecure in their attachment style in the beginning. So, um, so if you look so at you're that, saying that with that insecure attachment, the more people caring for me, touching me, making me feel wanted and needed, that adds to the level of security? Exactly. 
Okay. It seems to. I, I don't think or the experience of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's what the fantasy is communicating is that I'm really yeah. wanted, that I'm really being yes. pursued, that yes. I'm really being delighted in. Now, does the, the multiple sexual experience actually deliver that in the long run? I don't think so, because right. you're still left kind of with this. Well, who am I really attaching to? Am I really secure? Are these people going to stay with me? Or what if they go off by themselves and they enjoy the sexual experience? more than with me. So now we get into another category, we get into cuckolding, which is the repetition of that insecurity by the person that is supposedly my partner is actually now being sexually satisfied by somebody else in front of me. Yeah. So this there's a form of um form of multiples that involves wife swapping and you said cuckolding, yep. so that's one yep. version of it. Another yep. version is the, just pure wife swapping. So a couple would get together yep. and they exchange partners and they're having sex with the other guy's wife. So that's, there are online communities for that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's communicating another story. So um, in my particular experience, that a lot of times is coming out of severe enmeshment and abuse mm. in a family system where there's a desire on the guy's part to kind of conquer and dominate the man, which becomes representative of his father. And in fact, mm. there's a guy that I coached that his arousal template was formed directly around uh, this particular scenario where his mother actually had him sleeping in bed with him. It sexualized him. And mm. uh, he was discovered masturbating one day in, in a way that communicated he was really kind of bonded and attached to his mother and it freaked her out mm. and his dad came home and was really violent with him well mm. he seeks to reverse that now by going out and basically having been engaged with older guys and having sex with their wives where he's conquering them in a way and mm. so you have to again get into what's the family dynamic here uh to to make sense out of how that behavior is being formed in a person's life and, you know, once you see that repetition of the past relationships with your mom and dad, it kind of unravels the mystery around why I'm doing what I'm doing. It doesn't necessarily stop it, but it starts to help you make sense about why that is such a compulsive drive in my life versus, well, I'm just a pervert. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I like it. And I think it's important on that point, Scott, to remind ourselves of why we're we're moving into these areas and talking about these arousal templates is is not to bring more shame and more judgment on on what your preferences are, but to offer kindness and compassion to that. Because as you're as you're saying, you know, just knowing what my arousal template is, just knowing that threesome is the thing that I look up on the on the web browser, is really not going to change a whole lot. But what it is, is going to lead me into this place in my story that says, hey, you know, I, I really didn't have a lot of nurture growing up. And the fantasy of having two women nurture me, care for me, be sexually aroused by me really, really turns me on. So what I need, what I want is to how do I show myself kindness in the form of physical nurture? And what are the places that I can find that in a healthy way that are going to move me away from these coping behaviors? and into places where I can sustainably satisfy that need. That Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, let me put an even finer point on that. Go back to asking the question about what is this doing for you? 
And mm. as you start digging into it and you find out it's making me feel delighted, it's making me feel pursued, it's, it's making me feel like somebody wants me, the question then needs to be asked, what's preventing you from having those things outside of a sexual experience now? Or a or a uh, unwanted sexual experience. An unwanted yeah. sexual experience, and so what you often find is their answer will be, "Well, I'm not quite sure." So let's mm -hmm. talk about your family then. What yeah. was it like growing up in your home when you had bad things happen to you? Who did you tell? Yeah. And so you can often get to this by asking somebody, "What's the worst thing that happened to you?" growing up before you were 21 what's the what's the area of the experience that you had where you felt the most shame the most betrayal the most alone you know what's the worst day you ever had mm. and you start to get into that experience with them and then the question needs to be asked who did you talk to about that mm. and so often mm. the answer is no one no one silence why did you talk to no one because you knew in your family, there was nobody there for you to process that difficult experience with. Yes. And we know, let's say your worst day of your life happened when you were 14, when you were a lifeguard at the pool and your boss, who was another male, molested you, you know, stuck his hand mm -hmm. down your, your swimsuit just to fondle you. Mm -hmm. And you came home and you didn't tell anybody about that. You're left with an overwhelming emotional experience that you have to process without any support. Yeah, so, and I would say, Scott, and no one asked you what's wrong, buddy. No one no, saw the, the blank stare, the shock on your face and attuned to you in that moment. Yeah, and we're not saying, like, your worst moment doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It could be your teacher yeah. just ripping you to shreds in fourth grade. It could be... Whatever experience where be, you had overwhelming bullying on the sports field or at school, it could be it could be all kind of harm and trauma that you experienced negatively Anything. in your childhood. But the question is, when that happened, who was with you in it? And the answer is nobody. And yes, here's here's the operative thing: if this happens to you in when you're 14 or when you're in you know fourth grade, it's not the first time, right? That's how you grew up. There was yeah. nobody ever with you. And when you can yeah. see that realization in your family system, then you see why I'm doing the kinds of things that I'm doing with pornography or mm. what I fantasize about or how I'm acting out sexually, because what I'm seeking to do is find connection in a way that I never had in my home. Yeah. And so much of what we want, Chris, is we just want to be held. And I'm not yes. talking about being held like this, although that's not bad. That's nice. But we want somebody to hold our emotions. We want somebody to be with us in these horrible experiences. So when you don't get that as a child, you learn that I've got to depend on myself. And the way that I find that comfort and sense of connection and sense of care is in the fantasy mm. and touching my own body. Mm -hmm. And that's yep. what's going on with all of this. So. To me, the, the multiples just are indicative of kind of the degree of aloneness and um, mm. abandonment that I felt growing up because I'm seeking something really intense on the other side to reverse that. Like, everybody mm. wants me. Mm. Another great example that I have of this is a guy I was coaching who was rejected by his football team 
because he was too small and he tried out for the cheerleading team and made it. And all the guys on the football team uh, called him, you know, queer, faggot, all that. And so his fantasy was, you know, going into the locker room and all the football players are naked and an orgy breaks out and he's at the center of the orgy. All of that is clearly a reversal of the rejection that he felt from belonging to other guys. So the fantasy mm-hmm. makes complete sense based on how he suffered growing up. And that is the connection that we want to help people make between whatever it is, multiples, orgies. Orgies is just another degree removed of how yep. how abandoned and how rejected I felt in that situation. So it's going to take more than two people to correct this pain. I need a whole team, right? And um, Yeah, and I think when you get to gangbangs, you know, uh, that that's a whole nother level of objectification and degradation. And I mean, it's almost, it's almost inhuman the way a lot of that is portrayed because the, the woman or the man, whoever is receiving the penetration is just being absolutely ravished and consumed, but there's a lot of anger and hatred and pain in that. Yeah. And I, I do think that 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 particular genre where it's gangbang, um, it does express a lot of degradation and does express a lot of rage and anger. And it's not just purely directed at the female. If, if it's a, gu- a group of guys that are having sex with a female, it's not just about humiliating the female. That's going on for sure. But each of those guys is humiliating themselves because they're standing in line to have sex with one woman. And so they're one that, of a that, that a bunch of other guys have already had sex with, and it's sloppy seconds on top of sloppy seconds on top of sloppy hundreds. Yeah. You know, if you get the yeah. big one. Yeah. So what's arousing about that? What's that doing yeah. for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says I'm one. Of, I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the. So I feel so yeah. insecure about my masculinity that I've got to be in a lineup of guys to feel like I'm, you know, good enough to to participate yeah. in this event. Yeah, well, and the reality is, is you're not a piece of meat. Scott, you're not, I'm not. Nobody that's listening to this is a piece of meat, male or female. We are uniquely made. There's only one of you and you're beautiful. And so that's the invitation we want you to see is, you know, whatever turns you on, there is a path moving to wholeness um, that you can walk. And so just continue to get curious, be kind to yourself, be patient with this process because a lot of guys want to have it fixed in six to eight weeks, six to eight weeks, you can get a good start, but you really need to continue to live these principles out of curiosity and kindness to get clarity about your story um, for many, 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 many years. And so we're excited to walk with you guys. And not doing that by yourself, doing that. Right. Right. Connecting. Yes. Connecting with other people. Absolutely. Thank you for reminding me, Scott. So, Well, guys, we'll be back again next week uh, for another great episode. We hope you've enjoyed this one, and uh, we hope that you uh, will continue to connect these dots to be kind to yourself uh, every single day. Thank Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.